Welcome to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. My name is Joel and House, and the purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. In this episode, we have a discussion with legendary NFL coach Tony Dungy. So everyone knows Coach Dungy as an incredible coach, but there is so much more to his life than football. Dungy speaks on how he came to know the Lord, his relationship with his wife, and his 11 children, and the greatest advice he has for being an all-pro dad. Take a listen. We have a very special guest on the podcast today, uh, Super Bowl-winning head football coach, Tony Dungy. Yeah, one of the few that proved that you can do it in a style that doesn't have to be a dictator. You know, I, seriously, like I, I remember, you know, I remember watching all these coaches win all the time. And, and same with Saban and then I think Dabo Sweeney, but one of the few that you could, he leads with love and just, mm-hmm. it's different. You could feel it different. Everybody that ever played for him that I talked to absolutely love the guy. And Tony, we appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you, David. It's great to be with you. And uh, you're a guy that I admire too from a distance. I know we've talked about it. Uh, I just thought you would be our type of player, uh, your energy level, your passion for the game, your passion for life, your devotion to your teammates. But uh, that year, the year you came out of University of Georgia, we were picking down because we had been winning. Y'all good. So I knew there's no way we we're going to get you. But uh, I always loved watching you play and always admired you and loved, loved listening to you now. Well, thank you, Coach. And I, and I tell you what, all the meetings I went to, um, you know, for the draft combines, like you, you go meet Pastor Jay, you sit down with all the coaches okay. and, and you meet with them. And I'll never forget meeting with the Colts and, and we had the meeting and, and I met with the Patriots and Belichick and all and, and Tony looked at me literally, he goes, Hey, I, I wish I wish we I wish I got a chance to coach you. <laughs> he said, But <laughs> where, where we're picking is it's not gonna happen. But man, they yeah. had a they had a heck of a team. You guys had a heck of a run. But coach, how, how did you get into coaching? What was your what was your calling to get into coaching? You know, it was really amazing. Uh David, looking back on it now, I can see how the Lord trained me and prepared me for that. But at the time, I didn't know it. Uh, I was uh, I was born and raised in a little industrial town in Michigan. Uh, my parents were teachers. My mom and dad both liked sports. So I kind of grew into the sports uh, that way naturally. Enjoyed everything, football, basketball, baseball, just played, played all sports. But I went to the University of Minnesota. I was a quarterback in middle school, high school, and college. Uh, after the my senior year, I did not get drafted. So I had a chance to go to the Canadian League and continue to play quarterback. But I got a call from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was one of those calls that changes your life. You don't know it at the time, but they said they wanted me to sign with their team, but not as a quarterback. They had this guy named Terry Bradshaw, so they weren't really <laughs> looking for quarterbacks at the time. Uh, but they said, hey, Coach Noel likes smart players. He likes guys that work hard. You'll fit right in. So I signed and uh, switched to safety. And it was just an awesome, awesome moment for me because I got to a championship team. They had already won two Super Bowls at the time. The Rooney family, the ownership was just amazing. Coach Noel was one of those guys that was a teacher and an instructor. And that that impacted me over the years. But they switched me to defense. So uh, at the time, I'm like, gosh, I've never played defense. I've never tackled anybody. The first time they put me out at Gunner and they had two guys on me, I said, hey, I'm used to having a red jersey on and not getting touched. <laughs> what, what's going on out here? <laughs> so it was all new. But uh, I ended up playing two years for the Steelers, and then I got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. 
And at that time, this was Coach Walsh's first year with the team. We won two games and lost 14. But as I look back on it, I, I see, uh, and, and, and I'll keep going. One year later, I got traded to the Giants, and I got cut, and I was out of the league at 25 years old. I had one Super Bowl ring, but uh, now I was 25 years old and didn't know what was going to happen. But in the course of my career, I had played offense, and played quarterback, I played defense played for a championship team. I played for a rebuilding team. And Coach Noel called me. I was 25 years old. And he said, you know, you really have a good uh, mindset for the game. You're a hard worker. You're a good communicator. I think you could be a good coach. I had never thought about that before in my life. But then as I look back on it, here was the Lord kind of training me, taking me offense, defense, great team, rebuilding team, play for two Hall of Fame coaches, learn both sides of the ball. Uh, that's how I got started in my coaching career, completely out of the blue at 25 years old. Well, let's talk a little bit about your upbringing. It, I read a little bit about your bio. It sounds like you had some incredible parents. This is one of the big focuses David and I have, of course, spiritual focus on God, focus on parenting, focus on marriage. It sounds like you had some amazing parents, and they poured. Did you come to know Jesus Christ at an early age? I, I really did have some amazing parents, and uh, that's one of my passions now is, is trying to build that and get that back in our country because I, I think we need that. Uh, my parents were both teachers. My mom taught high school English and public speaking. I still get letters from people now who are in their 70s and 80s who said they had my mom in high school and she helped them uh, get confidence and, and learn and grow. My dad was a uh, junior college, uh, community college biology professor. Uh, they were fantastic. Uh, the bigger blessing I had was my, my dad's father was a minister. Hmm. And my uh, my mom taught the Sunday school class. So Thursday night, she would practice the lessons on us, on us kids, and see if we were getting it and what she wanted to say. So uh, I was introduced to the Lord very early on in life. I understood what it meant. And I remember, I, I don't remember the exact details, but I remember the pastor saying, hey, who wants to go to heaven? And I raised my hand and said, absolutely. From what I've heard about it, I, I want to go. I accepted Christ as a, a young boy. Uh, but then I got like so many boys. I got zeroed in on sports. And I, I love sports. My parents were teachers, so I had to get good grades. So kind of my life became sports number one, get good grades number two. And Jesus was kind of a third tier way, way back down the line. Uh, and it was that way for me in high school and college. Of course, in high school, you know, your parents, you, you, they get you up, you go to church, they're asking you questions, you, you understand that you've got to kind of toe the line. But I got to college, and now you're on your own. Nobody's there to wake you up. Nobody's there to, you know, ask you to read the Bible. And so I kind of stagnated. And then when I went to Pittsburgh, I was... It was just unbelievable. The first thing, the first meeting we had as a rookie group, and David can remember your first first minicamp rookie meeting, but Coach Noel got up in front of the group and he said, welcome to the National Football League. said, you guys are now getting paid to play football, so that makes it your profession. But don't make football your whole life. If you make football your whole life, when you leave the game, you're going to be disappointed. And I remember writing that down and saying, wow, this, this guy sounds just like my mom. My mother used to say that all the time. You know, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit 
your soul. That was her favorite Bible verse, Matthew 16, 26. And now here was this Super Bowl winning coach basically saying the same thing. And then the next thing uh, that Coach Noel did, I, I, as I said, I was converting. I knew nothing about defense. He put me in a room as my roommate with a guy named Donnie Shell, who was a uh, all-star safety, great player, just recently inducted in the Hall of Fame. But he said, you watch Donnie Shell. You ask him questions. He will get you going. He'll show you how to play this new position. Well, he did that, but he did much more than that for me. Donnie was the most on-fire Christian athlete oh, wow. that I had ever been around up to that point. So we're in the dorm room, and he every morning he gets up, and he's reading his Bible, and he's telling me, hey, I, I just read John 1. Here's what, what happened. What did you read? I'm like, uh, uh. Or, hold on, uh, hold on. Really. <laughs> and then the same thing. He'd go to bed at night, and he'd read, hey, before we go to sleep, I just read this, and here's what the Lord said to me. And it was, it was awesome. And then he said, hey, we, we've got these Bible studies, players' Bible studies, after practice, after the meetings. When you get done, come on down. And he started taking me to Bible studies, and this steel curtain team that I had watched as a high schooler and as a college player, now I'm sitting in there, and there's 15, 18 guys in Bible study wow. at night in, in training camp. And it's Joe Green and Mel Blunt and Terry Bradshaw and John Stallworth. And I'm like, wow, I, I wasn't expecting this. And that's, that's when my life changed. That's when I started growing as a 21-year-old. So – I'm hearing a lot of Proverbs 27, 17, a lot of iron sharpening iron. I'm hearing a lot of your, <laughs> your grandfather, your, your dad, your mom, people around you. Is this, the, is this the genesis for all pro dads? Is this, is this how it came about for you? It really is. Um, I, I just, David, I can tell you, when 2006, and we're winning the Super Bowl, I'm coaching on the sideline, there's a minute left, and we're up by 12 points, and I know we're going to win the game. I started thinking, how in the world did I get here? From Jackson, Michigan, little small town, and I'm coaching this team that's going to be the Super Bowl champ. And I started thinking about my parents at the time and my grandfather and uh, a couple of the guys in, in high school who were ahead of me who kind of nurtured me. And I started thinking my junior high assistant principal, my college coach, all these names were just going through my mind in that last minute. And I'm saying, and if I didn't have all of that, uh, as great a parents as I had, I still had so many more people that poured into me. And what if I'd have gone to the Canadian League and hadn't gone to Pittsburgh and hadn't met those guys? And, and I just look back and I, I thank God at that time, Lord, thank you for having all of these people pour into me. Well, then the question became, okay, what do I do with that? Yeah. Uh, I had all this input and input and input. Uh, how do I give back? And that, that's when I started thinking there's got to be some way that, that we can make this uh, mutual and that I can give back. And so All Pro Dads was actually one of those kind of encouraging dads to be like my dad and, and pour into your, your, your children. And how can we help you do that? That's really cool. When you, and when you think about your kids, because we do, this is a parenting podcast, parenting and, and faith. Like when you think about your kids and raising your kids, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the things you learned that you can tell? I got a 13 and an 11-year-old. Like, I'm screwing it up, Tony, along the way, and Pastor Jay's trying to, you know, guide me. What are, what are things you would say that you've learned from your kids and your journey that are really important to pass on that, that we can apply to our lives? The biggest thing I, I learned is uh, kids want your availability. They just want you there. Um, my dad, as I say, was a, a 
teacher. So when I was growing up, it seemed like he was always around. Saturdays and Sundays when I was home, he was home. Summers when I was off, he was off. We're playing ball in the backyard, throwing baseballs, going to games, doing stuff. And I started realizing, man, I'm not there as much as my dad was there. We're playing games. I'm traveling on the weekend. I'm going on scouting trips. Uh, I'm going away to training camp for four or five weeks at a time. And I'm not there as available as I am, uh, as I should be. And one of the biggest lessons I learned, David, I got a, uh, I got an award, Father of the Year award in, in San Antonio, like in 2003. And so, uh, I'm going to receive this award. And I asked my son, who was like 12 at the time, I said, Hey, tell me what has been the greatest thing that we've done together. Uh, cause I want to tell a story when I get this award. And he's been on the sideline. He's holding, held my court in playoff games. He's been to the Pro Bowl throwing balls with Kurt Warner and all these places I took him. So I thought he was going to say something like that, something really special, being on TV with you. He said, well, you remember that time we had to make a baseball out of a roll of tape and we had a broomstick and we played tape baseball and I beat you 22 to three. That's the most favorite time <laughs> I had with you. And that hit me right then. It's not the great things. It's not going to Disney World or, or you know, being on the sideline at an NFL game. It's playing tape baseball in the backyard. That, that, and, and that's when it hit me. And it's just us being available and being there and pouring into our kids is so important. That is, that is such a powerful word. word. Quality time. Is, is it true that you have 11 children? <laughs> it is true. It is true. Um, and that, that's kind of another story, but a testament to my wife. Um, I was coaching in, in 2000. I was 45 years old and uh, head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. We had an assistant coach. Our special teams coach was um, looking to adopt a baby. And so the adoption agency asked for references. I filled one out for him. They came out to interview me to ask about Coach Marciano, you know, some of the things that we would do to help him uh, raise this child. Started talking to the lady, uh, my wife and I both, and she said that she worked with the Crisis Pregnancy Center and their agency took young women and urged them not to have abortion. And if they would go through with the pregnancy, they would find two-parent Christian homes to put these mm. these young children in. And I said, now that is awesome. You know, and my wife and I, we're doing a lot of stuff pro-life and, and my wife is working at crisis pregnancy centers too. So we were just talking. And then the lady said, I have to tell you though, we have a real, real need here in Tampa, Florida. We have a need for African-American adoptive parents because we've, we're doing this and we have a backlog log of kids. We have children that we can't place. And my wife and I both were like in shock. Well, all we hear is it takes years to adopt and people are going overseas. And she said, no, I tell you, African-American and biracial kids right here in Tampa, um, if you are interested, you could get a child very soon. Well, that kind of broke our heart mm. and we're saying, hey, we're doing all this and promoting pro-life. And yes, but you're telling me that they're ladies who are doing this and then there's nowhere for the kids to go. And she said, that, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So we signed up, went through the, the classes and probably 
six months later. Uh, she had a, a lady who was in her seventh month of, of pregnancy, and we ended up adopting a little boy at one day old from the hospital. And that was our fourth child. That was 21 years ago. Uh, we did it seven more times. <laughs> so, so our last eight children have been, been adopted, uh, and they've, they've been a real blessing. Now, are these kids siblings? Like, were they from the same mother? No, not necessarily. They're, they're all from just this agency. Uh, and there are 90% of them, you know, one day old, but you, you kind of go through the agency. But I, I'll tell you how the Lord works. We had done that four times, and then I got fired and uh, transferred up to Indianapolis, Indiana. So we're in Indy now. I'm probably my second or third year as the, the head coach, and our one of our older boys is playing a middle school football game. My wife's sitting there cheering next to uh, another set of parents, and at halftime they start talking, and uh, my wife says, or they ask her, well, why are you here? Well, my husband coaches the Colts. You know, what do you do? And the guy said, well, I'm an adoption attorney. <laughs> so my wife strikes up a conversation with him. And sure enough, we adopt two boys in Indiana. So two of our, our adopted kids are from Indiana, and the other six are from here in Tampa. Well, all right. So I, quick question, because I have several friends that have adopted, a bunch of friends. Uh, Coach Rick came on, a, you know, several episodes ago yep. for us. And he talked about the challenges, like, cause I, I think everybody thinks, oh, it's, you know, it's kind of easy. Like you just, you adopt and you take them in and there's, have you had, have you experienced challenges with, with kids that with adoption? I mean, it's just, I just don't want people to think, I, I think it's a great thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it's negative, but there are also some th challenges that come with it. And he was, he was very vocal about it. And I thought it was, it was cool because people needed to hear that. Yes. Um, most of our, uh Everyone but one of ours, we've gotten one day old right out of the hospital. Uh, so we haven't adopted the two or three or five-year-old that already has developed some, some issues or, you know, has been moved around in foster care, that type of thing. But you do, even with getting infants, uh, you don't know what the genetics are. You don't know what the predisposition is. Um, our first, uh, our 21-year-old, Jordan, uh, we discovered two months later that he had a rare uh, genetic disease. He doesn't feel pain. And uh, we, I kind of first knew I was watching a game supposed to be babysitting. He's on the bed and he rolled off and I was like, Oh no, Lord's going to kill me. How can I let him roll off the bed? I went to pick him up and he didn't cry. Nothing. Uh, and we're like, wow, what, what's going on here? Well, we found out later on that he has this condition that was really, really severe. And we had to take him. We went to University of Florida. We ended up going to Johns Hopkins. Uh, but at that time, we understood what God put this together because had he not had the, if we not had the access to the doctors and the insurance coverage and the things, he, he would not have made it. But that kind of told us that even though there's challenges, God put us together for a reason. And that led us down the road to those, those next adoptions. But yeah, there there are some things that uh, are not easy because it's it's not uh, necessarily smooth. You don't know all the background, all the details. There is uh, separation, anxiety that comes with some of these kids as as they grow up, you know. And they ask, well, what what happened to my real mom? What happened to my real dad? Why did they not want me? Um, and and we have to 
turn it around and tell them, no, this is just God's plan. It wasn't that they didn't want you. They loved you. And God put you with us uh, because of that love. But, but yeah, it's, it's not all smooth sailing. Well, caring for orphans is very, very close to the heart of God. And I've shared in church dozens and dozens of verses, both Old Testament and New Testament, that our role as Christians, our role as the church to, to, care, to, to care for widows and, and orphans. And so next to someone coming to faith in Jesus, I think adopting a child, talk about changing somebody's life for all eternity. It's just amazing. The fact that you have 11 children, yeah, but you have a football team. Like you have your own <laughs> offense. You have <laughs> if you're on offense and defense or uh, defense. Which it was a defense no, for Coach it, Dungey, by the way. It, was, it would have been yeah. an offense. He's got him it playing the Tampa crazy, too. But, <laughs> but but you mentioned that. I'll, I'll tell you another one of the thrills, one of the highlights of my career. Uh, you know, Jesus told us that we've got to minister to the, the least of these. Mm. Uh, when I came to Tampa in 1996. Uh, the pastor of the church that we went to was a guy by the name of Abe Brown. He's a legendary man in Tampa. He's since passed away. But he had developed a prison ministry. He was a high school football coach, and he started visiting one of his former players that uh, was sentenced to prison. And he kept going back, and he realized that some of these other guys wanted to talk to him, and they didn't have people come and visit them. So he started this ministry of visiting prisons in florida so i got here in 1996 and he said would you like to go with me on on one of our visits i Mm -hmm. think it'd be awesome the men would love to see you i had a little trepidation about it what am i going to say what are they going to be like and you feel like you're going to meet all these hardened 35 40 50 year old guys well i went on the first trip and there were so many 19 and 20 and 21 year old kids in that prison that looked like my kids I was, I was shocked, but I started going back and kind of developing relationships with some of these guys and seeing why it was so important to Reverend Brown that these young men had years ahead of them. If they could turn it around and, and change things, if God could change things for them, what could they do in life? And uh, that has been one of the blessings that in my life to be able to do that and then when you read the passage in Matthew where Jesus says, you know, you saw me when I was in prison and mm. you came visit me. You fed me when I was hungry. You took me in. And he said, no, no, I never did that, Lord. And he said, oh, yes, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Uh, that, that's been a verse that stood out to me. Mm. That is that is powerful. That is powerful. And, Coach, you've you've taken care of people with, with charity. You've taken care of 11 kids. Uh, you've won Super Bowls. You've done all these things. How do you take care of your bride? Like, what? How do you put her? <laughs> how, how is she? Because we're. Well, tra- I was wanting to ask him about his wife because you and I both have amazing wives, and and I'm trying to get some brownie points by saying that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, but what? Tell us about your wife. She sounds like an amazing person. She is. Uh, we met in Pittsburgh. Um, one of my teammates was supposed to speak at a father and son breakfast at this church. The last minute he got sick, wasn't able to go. The chaplain asked me if I would fill in for him, so I did. And the minister, the pastor at this church said, oh, there's a girl here you might want to meet. I think you'd be perfect. And he Mm -hmm. actually introduced us, and we've been married almost 40 years now. But she has a heart for the Lord. Uh, She's got this, this passion that's incredible to reach out to young people and to reach out to the community. 
And you're right, David. Sometimes we can get so focused on, well, here's my job reaching out to my team. Here's my job reaching out in the community. And I, I may neglect my wife's needs sometimes. And I, I've got to be very, very careful about that. But uh, she is special and she is uh, she has a huge heart. Mm. What do you- I, was, I was thinking just like some, some, you know, we all get busy. You know, like we all have, and, and, and I got two kids, bro. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine with 11, like, you know, that's, that's one str- I was talking to a buddy on the way over here about, you know, him and his wife and them struggling with stuff and just ways that we can, uh, in this situation, I can't, I probably can't go into all the details because they, they might listen to the podcast, but like putting their needs before ours, right? That's, we're commanded, right? Like mm-hmm. the, she's supposed to come first. Yeah. Like, and that's, it's tough. And I think any advice we can ever get for, for that coach is, is valuable. So if you got any advice for me, I, I'll, I'll take it. No, I, I think it really is just pausing and listening and trying to hear your wife's heart. Um, and, and my wife was like a typical football wife. You know, when, when I got a new job, she moved and uh, you're maybe tearing her away from her church and her neighborhood and her community, but she's ready to go. And, um, when I became the head coach, she wanted to be part of it. And so she developed a great ministry to the wives and the girlfriends in Tampa and in Indianapolis. And that was great because we could do some things together. But I, I think the biggest thing is pausing and, and saying, okay, here's my dreams. Here's my goals. Here's my aspirations. But what about my wife? What about Lauren's dreams? Mm-hmm. Um, am I making sure that I, I'm doing what I can to help her fulfill those? That's awesome. So then, Coach, what about during the season? What about when, I mean, it is full throttle, it's playoffs, you know, it's a long season. Like, how did you actually love and take care of your wife during those moments? Um, Because off-season, okay, we got time, but, like, in the midst of it, because, you know, um, Davey and I were kind of in the same place. We got two kids. We got all this other stuff. Obviously, nothing like you being a, you know, NFL coach. But, like, practically, what did you do in the heat of the season to make sure, you know, you didn't lose that connection with your wife? Um, I, I think you have to be very careful to make sure you schedule, you know, and football coaches are notorious for having routines and schedules and you, you schedule the practice times, and meeting times and when the flights go, you have to schedule those family times too. Uh, I learned that from coach Knowles. We had Saturday was family day uh, for practice. So you got, people got to bring the wives, bring the kids, we'd have a little barbecue or whatever. Uh, but we, we we're going to schedule that in. Friday afternoons for us during the season was strict family time. So whatever we decided to do, whatever the, my wife and the kids wanted to do, that was our, our time. Nothing could encroach on that. And uh, I remember at the Super Bowl um, in 2006, we're in Miami, and it's Friday afternoon. We kept our normal routine. Our kids wanted to go to the NFL experience. You know, it's a big, like, carnival out there. And so we took them. And I remember people looking at me and saying, that, that looks like the coach of the Colts, but what would he be doing out here? You know, <laughs> that's where my kids wanted to go. That's what, so that's what we did. Um, that was our date night, Friday nights all the time. And I, I wouldn't let anything encroach on that because it is so tough during the season. Mm. 
Coach, when, when you look at all the all the football over all the years, like I know you go speak all the time, and and people are requesting that, and you're on TV. But like, what's what's the football story that everybody loves to hear when when you go speak? What's the one you star, the Peyton Manning one, or whoever it's about that that people love to hear? Well, there's probably two that uh, I tell all the time. First one is Super Bowl Forty One, and we're playing the Bears, and They've got a tremendous defense, kind of limited offense, and their their big weapon is Devin Hester. And great kick returner, and so we go for two weeks preparing for the game. We're not going to let Devin Hester touch the ball. I've got Adam Vinatieri. We're squib kicking. We're kicking high. We're popping the ball up. He is not going to touch the ball. We're going to punt it away from him. Right before the Super Bowl, our chaplain gives a chapel service and talks about David and Goliath. As all the Israelites panicked with Goliath. They're afraid of him. But David was just the opposite. Young boy, he saw Goliath. He ran right at him, took the stone, bam. And the difference was he wasn't afraid. He trusted the Lord. So I started thinking, are we afraid of Devin Hester? Is Devin Hester <laughs> Goliath to us? So Saturday night, I said, hey, I hope we lose the toss. If we do, we're going to kick off. And we're going to kick it right down the middle of the Devin Hester and kickoff team. I want you to go down there and pound him. When you pound him, just like Goliath, when he drops, they're going to be done. And that's how we're going to win this game. So sure enough, we lose the toss. We kick off, kick it right to Devin Hester. 12 seconds later, he's in the other end zone. Yep. Everybody <laughs> on the sideline is looking at me saying, what? Who made this decision? <laughs> and I, so I blame the chaplain. It was his fault. <laughs> And then the, the second story that, that I love to tell is about Peyton Manning, and it, it is about what we were just talking about, Family Saturday. Uh, I had done that since I was a Steeler player. I instituted it in Tampa. Everybody loved it. I come to Indianapolis, and, uh, you know, hey, here's how we're going to do Saturday. It'll be a light practice, very short. Uh, we'll get some things done, but it's really going to be a time when the kids get to be out there, be with their dads, families are around. Well, Peyton Manning, in his four years before I got there, he was used to Saturdays being the review day where he would make a note of everything that didn't go right on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He'd want to run those plays again on Saturday, be very precise. So about every six weeks, we'd have a discussion. He'd say, I know what you want to do about this family Saturday, but we're just not getting everything done. We're not as crisp. We're not as precise. Guys aren't concentrating. I say, trust me, it's going to be okay. Family Saturdays won a lot of Super Bowls in Pittsburgh. So that was kind of like a five-year fight for us, and he grudgingly went along. Can't, let's, how about this? How, let's compromise. Bring all the kids, but let them stay in the locker room. Oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. So we win the Super Bowl. Okay, I end up retiring. Peyton has twins. Now he goes out to Denver, and I'm broadcasting for Sunday Night Football, NBC. My boss says, could you go out to – Denver and interview Peyton Manning. Be a great story, you know, former coach and everything. So I fly out to Denver before the first game of the year, and Brandon Stokely, who also played for us and yep. is a receiver for Denver now, he meets me and he just, you will never, you will never believe what Peyton did. You'll never believe what he did. I said, Brandon, what did he do? He went to Coach Fox. He said, we got to get family Saturdays in. These kids <laughs> need to know where their dads work. <laughs> So I say I, I didn't teach them much about football, but we did uh, kind of get that lesson across. And I think the Lord really got that lesson mm. across when he had those twins and realized how 
important that time was with, with his kids. Well, and you were strong enough to stand in it and stand firm in it and prove it, which is which is something that we're going to be faced all the time, right? Yeah. We're going to be faced with decisions. Amen. Or we're going to be strong enough to stand yeah. in our faith. But it's amazing how, too, when we go through something and we experience it, it just changes it. it cha- like, mm-hmm. I'm just so much yeah. more sympathetic. I'm so much more empathetic. I'm better at that when I've experienced it. When I've been burned and I've felt that pain of heartbreak and I've felt the pain of failure, like, now you can you can relate to that. That's to me the greatest thing about mm-hmm. you know I'm not you guys age yet. Obviously I got a lot of years to get to you guys, but that's the greatest thing that that happens as you get older is the the wisdom. I mean it's just it's and, awesome. And I to love how I love how Coach Dungey established those priorities that that, that family is going to be a priority. Peyton didn't understand it at the time because he wasn't he wasn't a father yet. But no. Then when he became a father, he the, the priority of how important family yeah. is. Family is more important yeah. than football. That's for sure. No doubt. T- tell us a little bit about all, all Pro Dads. What are some of the programs? What are some of the things that that you do with All Pro Dads? Yeah, it actually started in 1997. A couple of my coaches and I were talking about how we weren't spending enough time with our kids, how we weren't doing as good a job as our dads had done. What could we do? We went uh, to the offices uh, here in Tampa of an organization called Family First. They said they would have some some tips for us. And they did. They gave us some ways to, to connect better uh, and utilize that time better. And we said, oh, man, that, that's awesome. We're going to do this. Well, then they said, hey, you guys aren't alone. You're not the only profession that struggles with time management. You're not the only profession that has pressures on you. Maybe you guys could help us get the word out. So we said, hey, we'd be glad to do that. So we took a day at training camp. We ended up having a night practice, and we said, we'll invite dads to bring their kids out to watch the Buccaneers practice. And we'll have some T-shirt giveaways, and we'll have some uh, kind of uh, places, uh, podiums and things where people could come and get this information. And we thought we'd have 350, 400 people come out. We had 4,000 people come out that night. Mm. guys uh, bringing their kids and it was an awesome night and so that kind of started it Uh, we said hey men have this connection with football if we can get some football analogies uh and how we do things but put in the fatherhood piece it'll be great so we got uh we started out with five or six uh all pro players who happen to be christians mike singletary anthony munoz hey tell us your your favorite parenting tip or the favorite thing you got from your dad and we put it out on cards. Mike Singletary's play of the day is this. Uh, Anthony Munoz's all-pro dead tip is this. And that has morphed into a daily email now that about a million guys get uh, every day, just a tip of the day to connect better with, um, with your children. We have uh, probably about a 1,000 schools around the country where guys meet once a month they come in have breakfast with their kids and talk through issues but just basically hang out for an hour with your kids before school starts uh those are the things that have been really really great and gratifying uh there's a website allprodad.com if you want to go sign up you can find out see if there's a chapter in your area you can get the daily email the play of the day uh and you can get resources uh it's 10 ways to be a better dad uh, I, I remember we came out with this 10 ways to be a better dad t-shirt and I was putting them in the lockers of uh, the kids, the guys that I knew that had kids. And 
it was just such a blessing to them and a, and a benefit. And they guys started asking me, hey, do you have any more of these? I'd like to pass them around to some of my friends. And then we realized that, hey, this is a lot of men need to hear this. That's incredible. We need we need to talk about maybe a podcast. We can talk about those ten ways. Yeah, to be, be a better one. dad. And yeah. I, get, I get the email every day, and there's so many good writers on there that yeah. just good, yeah. good questions to bring up, like ways to relate it to your kids, um, things you just don't th- listen. It's hard. We get we get busy. We don't think about all these different things. And I think even if it doesn't click with you on one day, you know, two or three out of the days of the week, you're going to see something. You go, you know what? I think I could connect with my kid better. And here's questions to ask. Here's things to think about. Yeah. And, and I think those are all healthy conversations, and that's that's great. That's a, it's a great resource for any dad, period. Yeah. And as David mentioned, the, the, the 10 ways to be a better dad shirt, the number one way, the number one rule is love your wife, love your, your child's mom. Um, so it even starts right there. Yep. Amen. Anything else, Coach, that that's that you would want to share with, with anybody out there? Not Whatever's on your heart, whatever – Whatever's the most, you know, whatever's really important to you, anything else that you'd want to share with everybody out there? I, I think for me, David, it really is that, that Bible verse, Matthew 16, 26. I know you've had Coach Rick on. Uh, you, you, you know, have had people who understand that, that um, people look at us, if you've achieved something, uh, you've been in the spotlight, and they say, wow, isn't, isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? But, we have to understand and we've got to get the message out that it doesn't matter what you do in this life and you can have all the accolades, all the attention, uh, all the notoriety that the world can give. If your relationship isn't right with the Lord and, and you haven't got your soul right, none of that is going to matter in the long run. And unfortunately, over 31 years in the National Football League, I, I saw that a lot. I saw guys who had everything you could ask for, Super Bowl rings, big contracts, uh, great reputations, but if their soul wasn't right with the Lord inside, you, you could see that it wasn't going to end well. And uh, that would be my message to, to anybody who's listening. Make sure, don't get caught up chasing worldly things. Make sure you've got that relationship with the Lord that he'll take care of everything else. That's a phenomenal word. Phenomenal. And listen, that's, yeah. that's your word. Phenomenal. Um, I think, and, and to do that, ask questions. I mean, to me, to, to me, it was 20 years ago. The, the way I came to, the way I came to faith 20 years ago was literally doing outside reading for, for English, for, for English. I wanted to read the Bible because I had a teacher that was a believer that I couldn't get underneath his skin. So I really was curious about, he played praise and worship music and I was kind of curious about, it. I'm like, I want to, I want to know more about this. And I investigated it and it rocked my world and it absolutely, and it's still rocking my world to this day. Like, but, but you have to investigate it for yourself. It's not what social media has taught you. It's not what yeah. the internet's taught yeah. you. Like go figure it out for yourself. Talk to pastors, talk to people you trust yeah. that have something different about listen to guys like Tony Dungy. Cause you can answer some of these questions. Cause I mean, it's real. It's not, it's not, it's been proven time and time again, and it's real and you can feel it when you got it. Coach Dungey, I, I appreciate you being on the podcast, and you're such a a mentor and an example for so many people, coaches, fathers, dads, kids, and uh, we, we appreciate you, and, and I just want you to know that you've had a huge impact on so many people, huge. And, and you're living a life of significance, not a life of success. 
But you found Amen. you found that because you're having an eternal impact. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing the, the word because uh, that's what we need. That's what our country needs. Let's just talk a couple minutes uh, just about some of the takeaways. Put your headphones on. Let's go. All right. It's not hard. Just, we're just going to talk. kind of slow today. I'm you like, are. You, mentally, I'm I, I was slow. looking at you because I was like, all right, I asked a question. It's your turn. And you were yeah, like, I don't, it's not firing. I'm sorry. I'm out of it. Yeah, I was, I'm a little, I was wondering. It's Monday. I, I got to hurt back. I'm, Big weekend. Back's not good? My back. I threw my back out. Oh, there's nothing yeah, worse, bro. I can't even hardly move, you know? There's nothing worse than a back because it, you can't do nothing. I know. The, the, it affects everything. I'm really feeling old. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I apologize. I wasn't on my No, A-game. you're good. I was. No, it's all good. It definitely wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't the Pastor Jay greatness that I'm used to. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could tell something was up, but I didn't know what it was. I was like, "You got to step up, bro. You got to yeah, be a better sorry, teammate." Man. No, I'm talking to me. I was like, "You got to be a better teammate. Let's go. Oh, you got to ask good. better questions." Then I had so much information about. That. I mean, he's he was so incredible. There's so many different angles you could have you could have taken. Well, this is, so, this is this should so, be in our recap, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, go. We're going. We're recording. Oh, you yeah. you're good. You, you'll yes. make this work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, the thing I really love was he. I didn't know that about the Pittsburgh Steelers, because I was you know growing up I was a Saints fan, but the Saints were terrible, and so you either were Dallas Cowboys or Pittsburgh Steelers. I was Pittsburgh Steelers, and so now that's back when they only had like. Two teams on TV, right? Yeah. You had like one game a week, and it was like... Black and white? Is uh, it black and white? I don't know about... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't black and white. I mean, I remember color TV. But uh, anyway, what anyway. my point was, Terry Bradshaw, Rocky Blyer, Franco Harris, John Stallworth, Lynn Swan, Mel Blunt. I mean, he mentioned Donnie Shell. I didn't I didn't know Donnie Shell was a Christian. I mean, Joe Green. I mean, I didn't know... I didn't know they had that... I'd never heard that part of the part of the story about the Iron Curtain, he said they had 15, 16 guys that got together for Bible study, and basically Donnie Shell discipled Coach Dungy, and Coach Dungy is who he is today in large part because he was a roommate with Donnie Shell. And you think about the impact that you can have on just one person's life, and look what, look how many people that, yep. Tony Dungy's impacted because Donnie Shell woke up and said, hey, I read, I read John chapter one, one. What did you what read? Did you read? <laughs> and, by the, and that accountability we need, but I, I just love all the touch points, too, that leads to all pro dads that winning the Super Bowl on the sidelines last minute, what's in his brain? How am I going to take this and mm. use it? Like that, I, for, that's what I said. And first thing I said in my head is, do I think that way? Am I going to be the person that when I get something and I get favor from God, am I going to acknowledge it and say, how am I going to pass this on? Mm. Like that's, that's but, but adopting 11 kids, adopting 11 kids. I mean, changing 11 kids' lives like, like he's done. I mean, all of it, all, all of it was unbelievable. But just like Coach Rick, everything you gave to him, he turned it where? He, back to Jesus. Back to Jesus. Turned it right back I to mean, him. I mean, you could tell that that was the the foundation of everything he believed and everything, and the reason why he did everything he did and yeah. why he was so successful. Yeah, so he had three biological kids, and he, and he adopted eight. But a lot of times when you adopt a lot of kids, it's from one sibling group. But yeah. the, 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 the idea that they did it eight different times. <laughs> yeah. He strikes me as a dad was, that would be calm all the time. Yeah, we didn't really get into his. Right. his yeah, he strikes no. me as a dad that yeah. didn't lose his cool. We didn't, we didn't get into his temperament and demeanor because he, he kind of changed coaching from the 
the screamer to the teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, kind of the more mm-hmm. mentor leader teacher. Yeah. And thank and God the, there's more of that now. Yeah. And he and he's a reason. But he for was that. one of the first ones. Yeah, hundred percent. And and that you can win that way. He showed you can win being mm-hmm. somebody that loves people. It doesn't have to be fear. It doesn't have to be I'm driving you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to fear me. It can be I'll work hard for you because I love you. That's okay. You can yeah, say his, that. his autobiography is is quiet strength. So I, I could, you could see that picture I mean, that yeah. strong leader, like yeah. like he, he didn't back down to um, Peyton Peyton Manning. So he was Both. quiet, but he was strong. He he knew he knew what he wanted to do, and he what he was the leader. Yep. That, that would be hard if Peyton Manning is coming to you, this Hall of Fame, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, wanting to practice more on Saturday. And I'm not surprised <laughs> that Peyton had that mindset either, from yeah. what we know about Peyton too, just being the ultimate grinder, mm-hmm. right? But again, full circle. He had kids, and he's like, yeah, you know what? This time with my family's not too bad. Right. And I love that his his big – one of his big things he's first talked about was just be available for your kids. Mm. Be available. Like, how many times am I – all right, let me do this, 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 and this. And my girls ask, hey, Dad, can you go do this? And I'm like, yeah, one second. I'm like, what? No. my bro- No, I should stop what I'm doing to be with them because those days – are not, I mean, they're going to be gone before I know it, you know? So that was a good uh, gut check for me was, I mean, here's Tony, busy as all get out, but he's scheduling that family time, scheduling that family time with his wife, but he's also making himself available for his kids. So that was a, yeah. I I think that a good point point there is it doesn't have to always be planned out and incredible because because he mentioned the stick ball yeah you know they made they made the baseball out, out of the tape and, mm-hmm. and played and y'all played done stick that right ball. oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. we did the think, socks we taped the socks uh-huh i think i relate with his kid's story like he was expecting him to say like some super cool moment they had like on tv or something with the nfl but it's just like playing wiffle ball in the backyard or going and playing tennis like that's what hits my mind it's not like the big stuff that you would think it's the little things yeah, so I I always try to implement that. I, ha- I have a very flexible job, and uh, other other than Sundays and a few, <laughs> I'm pretty flexible. So any time the kids would come into my office and, and want to throw the throw the baseball or play basketball or go play tennis, I'd pretty much drop what I was doing if I wasn't in a meeting or something. Right, yeah, I just go I just go yeah. do it because yeah. I could always come back and finish up. Right, right. Whatever I was doing. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. There are so many strategies and tips and tricks and advice to be a great parent or spouse, but I think one of the greatest is simply being present. I related so much to Tony's son when he said his greatest memory with his dad was playing ball in the backyard. There are countless evenings when my dad and I would play catch or hit tennis, and there was never a time that he would turn me down, and I'm so incredibly thankful for that. Be present and available for your spouse and for your kids. And what do you benefit If you gain the whole world but lose your soul, is anything more important than your soul? Nothing in this world is more important than your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with your family, your wife, your kids, your husband. So go check out allprodad.com for some phenomenal fatherhood advice. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals Podcast, and we'll catch you next week.